the day 220 and shaped by the word. We continue to work our way through the gospel of Mark. We're coming uh, to the end and to uh, the horror of the cross. But before we come to the horror of the cross, we have a beautiful pause uh, where Jesus is anointed uh, you know, by, by a woman who forever will be memorialized in the gospel for her sacrificial love for the Lord Jesus. So before we read uh, chapter 14, or at least the first half of chapter 14, uh, let's offer this moment to the Lord. Katie, do you mind praying for us? Father, thank you for this moment that we have together with you. Um, Would you humble our hearts as we come to your word? And um, would you help slow us down um, as many of us are listening to this while we are um, doing something else, while we're doing the dishes or driving to work or whatever that may be. Um, just focus our hearts on you as we read together. And would your spirit do a work in us that we we could never do on our own? Um, and would we be open to the work of your spirit in us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now the Passover and the Festival of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and the man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house that he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and already ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table and eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. 
You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. I went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Move uh, from two beautiful moments, uh, the moment in the house of Simon the leper, uh, and this uh, woman here uh, gives, is extravagantly, you know, as we read a couple of days ago, as you know, probably the widow with the two mites, the only thing she could possibly give and the only way that she could uh, possibly give it. And then we move into the intimacy of uh, the Passover meal that begins to symbolize something, you know, so much bigger and so much more grand than the Passover, but even that is tainted by uh, predictions of, of betrayal and denial mm-hmm. as we look at it. So what are some of the things that stand out in this uh, first half of chapter 14 as we read through it? You know, initially, just right off the, kind of right at the beginning is Jesus' heart towards those who would have been, you know, downcast, outcast. I mean, how would you like to be known as Simon the leper? You know, not just reclining at Simon's house, but the little tag that that reminds <laughs> us as readers, and and what and not just us as readers, but he would have he would have been so aware, you know, that whether he was still a leper, used to be a leper, former leper. I mean, he would have been so aware that. You know, he was an outcast in society, and and to have Jesus not just healing him and moving on, but dining with him, reclining at his table in his house, you know, you see the the heart of Jesus towards those who are outcasts, and mm-hmm. um, and then again the woman, you know, who no. you, you see the way the disciples respond, and not necessarily to her, but to what she did, until they they saw her as you know, you're wasting all this. Yeah. I can't believe you did this. And what what a silly woman. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we 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 learn more from other you know gospels that they also look down on her for her lifestyle, which had been a sinful lifestyle. And of course, you know Simon, as we read this in the book of Mark, we we can't help but think you know as we've gone through Mark and Jesus healing everyone who came to him, we we cannot you know help but think that the very reason they could have a banquet in Simon's home is because he was no longer mm-hmm. a leper, and he was no longer a leper because he had been touched. Mm-hmm. And by the Lord, and rather than him rendering the Lord unclean, the Lord rendered him clean. Mm-hmm. And, and you have here a man who has everything except for community. He's not even able to 
walk in his own house, yeah. have a banquet, or to be among mm-hmm. people, and, and yet you see the restorative power of the Lord in, in his life. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you, you see this, this woman that everybody else wants to rebuke, just being silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could have sold that for a year's wages and given it to the poor. And, and of course, Jesus calls him on that. He said, you, you have every opportunity every day all the time to do things for the poor it's probably just in this moment you know, that you want to condemn someone else that the poor become important for you mm-hmm. yeah i just see so much of myself in the disciples at, in moments like these um where i just feel like maybe um having this position close to jesus can easily start becoming self-righteousness and um, they, in this moment, probably think, I'm saying something that he's going to completely agree with. Like, what a waste. You could be giving that money to the poor. I mean, and um, and I'm thinking of when they held the children back, you know, to, come on, children. Like, you don't need to get close to the Messiah, right? And Jesus rebukes them both times. And how often do I say something out of a prideful heart because I'm, I've become this self-righteous person because of some, my position for some reason mm-hmm. and, um, and how humbling it is when, when you hear the truth from Jesus. But I often hear people project what they think you know, Jesus might do in a, circum, you know, a certain circumstance. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually my response is he would completely surprise you yeah. mm-hmm. because we find him very unpredictable yeah. in everything that he does. And we find him you know, very gracious you know, and everything that he does. And, you know, this is, uh, I I just love that little phrase, he's done a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's what, you know, true worship is. It is something that's very beautiful in the sight, you know, in the sight of the Lord. And of course, nothing more repulsive we know from reading the prophets than, you know, than than flippant worship, than, you know, going through the motions. Worship is far more centered on ourselves than it is Offering extravagant gifts to the one mm-hmm. who's offered an extravagant, you know, gift, you know, to us, and I just love that, you know, little phrase, you know, ahead of time, wherever the gospel's preached, one, we have a guarantee, even before the cross, the mm-hmm. gospel will be preached. Mm-hmm. And second, this this woman, you know, not you guys in here that are making judgment on her, but this woman will be memorialized in this gospel forever as a picture uh, mm-hmm. of extravagant worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what a, I mean, what a turn in the story. You know, they're rebuking her. I can't believe you, you wasted this. And, she, and he actually says, you know, this is tied to my death and, re- and resurrection. This is tied to my burial. You, you had no idea what she was doing. You know, uh, so many enigmat- enigmatic phrases, you know, in here. Uh, you know, they're probably looking at what are you talking about <laughs> yeah. and that. And the same thing, you know, when you're sharing Passover and you talk about this, this is my body, how— Mm-hmm. How much of the disciples receive that? What are, you, what are you talking about your body, and what are you talking about your blood? And it's not until you look back, you know, through the lens of the resurrection, that you find you know incredible clarity in this. He's he's using Passover language, but he's applying it, you know, to himself, and of course he's applying that sacrifice, you know, to us, you know, to us as well. It's beautiful. So, Judas. Um, I feel like is an interesting person to talk about because I've heard some people offer him a lot of grace and I've heard some people say that he never truly believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Um, So 
let's put that on the table because I'm sure that there are people who have well, questions. Well, honestly, about you know, our Lord's response doesn't offer us a whole lot of response for grace. Yeah. It would have been better for him if he had never been born. Right. And, of course, redemption is, is, uh, redemption is such a large gift that uh, anyone who is redeemed, you could never say that off. That mm-hmm. It would be better that they had not been born. So that's language of someone who, who, who could have but was not. Uh, redeemed one who saw Jesus uh, as, as an advantage to himself and, and one that he was disappointed in rather than who Jesus really was mm-hmm. uh, and so you have you have the opposite you know in in, in both you know Judas and and, and Peter uh, you have in in Judas one who uh, you see no redemptive hope matter of fact he, he will run out and, and commit suicide mm-hmm. and you see in Peter one who uh, is 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 restored. So mm-hmm. it is, it is a it's a painful reminder that there are there are, even in the Lord's in a table. He said, "This is my blood for many, mm-hmm. and many will receive it, and many will know grace." But the the, the, the sad truth is, humanity is built bent in on itself, and there's many who who will not recognize their need for grace, never receive it. And mm-hmm. it's not that they're beyond redemption. It's just that they don't experience redemption. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have a, I don't yeah. see any you know any hope in in, in the text. Yeah. 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 yeah, the love too. I mean how this last supper really does become and, and still is, you know, one of the foundational marks of the church that we, that we gather around the Lord's table mm-hmm. and we we know just how significant this moment was for the disciples and and even after he says you know kind of leading into you will all fall away you know once I'm struck all the sheep will scatter but we know that once Jesus is resurrected and you know the the disciples are encouraged again they're empowered the spirit comes this this last supper you know this institution of communion becomes a mark of the early church so much so that you know people started calling them cannibals because they just couldn't figure out <laughs> what was actually going on you know, well, that, that just ruined a really good passover meal for me uh, on that but, but no, they were right. so dedicated to to mm-hmm. remembering you know every time you do this you remember me mm-hmm. you know, that, that they saw in this moment a, a very significant moment yeah and of course you know that um Having you know gone through a you know communion you know with me that the, I love the wine, uh, I will not drink it again from the fruit of the vine of the day when I drink it anew with you in the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. You do this you know as often as you gather in remembrance of me, but I, I'm I'm holding out and we're going to share this meal together again uh, one day in my Father's presence, and that's always you know beautiful you know beautiful you know picture picture of hope. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know the, the the contrast of the cup that he offers them, the cup of forgiveness, and the cup that is facing him, which is mm-hmm. the pouring out of God's wrath, the bitter grapes that everyone who drinks it, their teeth will turn on edge, uh, which is a you know a vision of you know judgment. And Jesus said, if all possible, let that cup pass from me. Many have you know said that the you know the prayer that uh, you know you find in. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which we call the Lord's Prayer, is really the disciples' prayer. But this is this is the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. If at all possible, take that cup from me. But nevertheless, that moment of surrender—not not my will, not my feelings in this moment, mm-hmm. not my dread, not my fear, uh, not the things that I I wouldn't want to face. What I want to do is what you want me to do in this hour, and uh, 
from John, so that the Father will be glorified in the Son, and the Son in the Father. Mm. So it's a beautiful, you know, portrait uh, of of all of that. Mm. And uh, again, we've left way too many things on the table <laughs> that we we should have covered. It's hard to hard to read more than six or seven, you know, uh, verses of Scripture and contain it in fifteen minutes. Yeah. And of course, for those of you who are regular listeners of the podcast, you know we have never contained it within 15 minutes. But in order not to go to 30 minutes, uh, Matt, why don't you close in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we um, are thankful for your word, thankful for the grace we have in Christ Jesus. And we're thankful for the the gift of communion. And we look forward to the day um, where you will, um, Jesus, you will take the, the bread and the cup again with us. And, and so until that day, would we be faithful to you? Would we continue to um, to remember you, to proclaim um, the gospel to the whole world? And, and God, would you get much glory through it? Transform us. Um, continue to use your word um, to accomplish your purposes in us. God, we thank you for this time together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.